So we close out today talking about daring to live life now, right now. I, I want to suggest that the most dangerous word in the English language is someday. Someday I'll be the father I've always intended to be. Someday I'll quit complaining and learn to be grateful. Someday I'll get in shape. Some of you could use that. Someday I'll slow down and start enjoying the kids. Someday I'll learn the Bible. Someday I'll be more generous. Someday I'll take more risk. Someday. And people live their entire life waiting on someday, and someday never comes. Someday when I graduate, someday when I get a job, someday when I get more money, someday when I get married, someday when I have children, someday when the kids move away, someday when I retire, someday I'll stop waiting and start living life. Talking to a couple been living together about four years, I said, when y'all going to get married? Well, someday when I get more money. I said, you ain't never going to have enough money. Just get married. I'll do it free. Get, get, get in a commitment. Maybe God will bless you. I don't know. I'm not, I'm not picking on anybody. I'm just saying, what the heck? Someday? What, are you going to live to be 85? And then say, you know, honey, we ought to get married. <laughs> That's where commitment comes in. And girls, you be picky about it. Don't let somebody just pick you up free. Say, you ought to be high priced. You ain't, oh, no ringy, no dingy. You, you, uh, you, you, put, Oh, I can roll on that. Don't worry. I can go, but I'm not. My wife's looking at me. All right. So let me talk about the attitude of being fully alive right now. You know, occupying completely this moment, because it's the only one you've got for sure, and it's a gift of God to you. Yesterday's gone. Nothing can bring it back. Tomorrow, that's not here yet, and it may never come for some. You only have for sure this moment. One author, Frederick Beatner, writes, in the last analysis, all moments are key moments, and life itself is grace. Every moment, big ones, the dramatic ones, and real small, apparently insignificant ones, they're all key. Every moment is precious. Every one of those moments is God's gift to you, and you have to learn to live in it. You know, the alternative is just to live for someday, and in case you don't know it, that's not a day of the week, and it never comes. Now, my guess is that in a room this size, there's a fair amount of someday syndrome, I'll bet you, just waiting to live. Our word for it is procrastination, just putting stuff off. Live for someday, way out there somewhere. So let me give you a quiz. Have you ever procrastinated? <laughs> ever had a project around the house and you intended to get to it? Your wife's always been harping on it, but you haven't done it yet? Yeah. Ever put off writing a letter? Making a call you knew was important and you should do it? Ever delayed making a doctor's appointment because you were afraid something was wrong with you? Like delaying is going to make it better? No. Deal with that thing now. Have you ever been late for an appointment or a church service? <laughs> like every week? I think some of you say, what time is it, honey? Oh, don't worry. It's only, it's only 1030. We've got 20 minutes to get to the church. It's kind of like you planned it every week, every week. I, I'm military. I can't handle that. You know, you can be anything ugly, but you can't be late. No, no. 
you got to give yourself some margins, you know? you got to think this thing through. Ever go Christmas shopping on December 24th? Ever mail in your income tax on April 15th? Ever put a going, off, a going on a diet because it wasn't Monday yet? Did you intend to procrastinate, but you hadn't got around to it yet? See, procrastination is the failure to do what needs to be done when it needs to be done. So, you can procrastinate even if you're a real busy person. You think about it, you should do it, you plan on doing it, you want to do it, you know it's right to do it, but you just don't actually get around to do it. You're like the kamikaze pilot who flew 17 missions. He's a busy guy, but he didn't do what he was supposed to do. So, some of you don't even know what that is. Some of you suffer from that someday syndrome in subtle ways. And your life feels hectic. You feel like you're always behind, a day late, a dollar short. You constantly rush. Details slip through the cracks. And you're always putting out fires that never should have got started in the first place. If you'd have been on the job, they wouldn't have happened, right? Some, oh, I knew I should have, could have. Oh, I knew. Yeah, I know I ought to. I hear that every week. I know I ought to. Okay, Sparky, get off your rear end and do it. Because nobody's going to make you do it. It's up to you. See, some of you suffer from this in major ways. Some of you have lost jobs because of it. Some of you have suffered major financial setback because of it. Because you don't do what needs to be done when it needs to be done. This is family talk. Is this okay? I'm not mad at anybody. I'm just talking. This is a real life value. Or you've suffered relational heartbreak, but you won't get counseling. You won't deal with the issue in marriage. And I think the biggest problem with the procrastination someday syndrome is that it robs you of living life now right now. You spend your whole life assessing what you should have done or what you ought to do in the future, and you don't hear God now in this moment. You don't feel God's touch in this moment. And the great danger is you'll never become what God intended you to be. Yeah, He loves you. Yeah, you can go to heaven. But procrastination is ultimately a sneaky, subtle way of saying no to God's call on your life. No, I won't be what you want me to be today, God. Not today. No, I don't receive this moment as a gift from you and surrender it back to you right now. No. See, it's, it's not open, total rebellion. It's not really obvious. It, it's not turning your back on God because you said, yes, I will, but not now. And it amounts to saying no to God's will on your life. James 4, verse 17. Anybody who knows the right thing to do and then fails to do it commits sin. I think about it when my accelerator suddenly gets away from me. And I know what to do. I know what the numbers are. I know what my speedometer says. And I do it anyway. And usually, there's a consequence to that choice. And it's usually a visit from a, a car with a, a lights on it that are dazzling. Yeah, I've had a few of those too. So I didn't say, oh, officer, I had no idea I was speeding. If you ever say that, I'm going to slap you because I, I have never, I have never broken a speed limit and said, I didn't know I was going that fast. Oh, I knew. And actually, I wanted to go faster. Yeah, I knew. Well, I'm just being honest, okay? Okay. Well, ever know the right thing to do and not do it? So it's saying no to God and it robs you of your life. So let me address two questions and one of them is why? Why do I procrastinate when the costs are so high? 
when I know it'll keep me from being who God wants me to be and keep me from his best or it'll prevent me from doing life well why do it the other question is how do I change how do I learn to live in the right now how do I learn to receive every moment of my life as a gift from God that I can give back to him two questions why do I do it how do I change let's take the first one why do I do it especially when the costs are so high and I want to give you five personality styles that are factors in contributing to your procrastination here's the first one the perfectionist the perfectionist if that's you you don't want to start or finish something unless you're able to do it in a way that meets impossible high standards so you find yourself putting off starting or finishing something because you don't want to let go until it's perfect and of course it's never perfect right ecclesiastes chapter 11 verse 4 written by solomon says if you wait for perfect conditions you'll never get anything done it's never going to be perfect if that's you go home and deliberately put a spoon in a fork pile in your drawer get liberated get somebody to mess up your hair you know do, do you put off doing things until you can do them perfectly until you find the perfect time to do them which never comes here's the second person now the dreamer the dreamer the dreamer wants you know wants life to be easy and pleasant don't we all I, I i don't want any details i just want to keep things vague and general and, and reality always involves those little details i don't like yeah you'd be happy to balance your checkbook if it didn't involve so darn much math so you wait till it's hopelessly a mess then you go open a new checkings account somewhere else you want life to work easy and the question here is do i think too much about things i'd like to do but i don't actually get around to doing them the dreamer the third personality the crisis maker you are the people who don't get motivated until you're in a major crisis you have a psychological need to live on the edge so procrastination to you is actually a form of adventure you're not really motivated until the 11th hour then your blood starts pumping because now it's do or die sink or swim you like to give the train a head start before you run for it so it has a sporting chance of getting away <laughs> you put off studying for an exam until the night before now that kind of person doesn't get motivated till they're under heavy pressure so the question here is do i put off doing what needs to be done until a crisis develops fourth personality the defier oh i know who you are the defiant person he, he's the rebel who wants to buck the rules buck the system if that's you you find yourself thinking who's the government tell me i gotta pay taxes april 15th i ought to be in charge of my life yes and they will come put you in jail so procrastination is the way you've learned to assert your independence and the question here is do i ever think i'm special that i don't have to do the things other people have to do i'm unique i'm in my own category i don't have to follow the rules the defier number five here's the last one the overdoer they end up procrastinating because they just take on too much stuff just pile it on me they say put another load on my back but they are unwilling to establish priorities stick to focused goals and unwilling to say no they have a long long list of things to do and these are generally really good productive people and they really think they're going to get around to doing them all you know what they need to learn to say no no 
Because if they find out every time they call you, you'll jump and do what they say, and you're thinking, well, I've got to be a good Christian, then they just keep calling you. And that's not your race, not your call. You have to say, look, I love you. I'll support you. I'll be there, but I'm not doing it. I can't do it. My, my schedule's too full. Get somebody else. Then they will get somebody else. But if you just keep saying yes, they'll just keep giving you stuff until you choke or drown. Now, if that's you, you've never learned to tell time realistically. You're way too optimistic about what you can do, and you're the kind of person that says, oh, you can make it downtown, Rick, in 15 minutes if there's no traffic. Like, when is there no traffic? When? And overdoing has become a way of life to you. So the question here is, do I commit myself to so many things I can't find to, to get them all done? Listen, no is a good word. It is a boundary word. Yes and no govern your whole life. Any of you look back and say, I wish I'd said no to that. I wish we weren't going to this thing. I wish I'd just told him or her no. Well, that's how you shape your own life. Or you just let everybody else shape it for you until it chokes you. Then you're stressed and grouchy with the kids or your husband or your wife or somebody. And you should have just said, no, I'm too crowded this week. No. Judy, I bet I say no a lot more. I heard Warren Buffett say, you'll say no a whole lot more to be successful than yes. Just something to think about. No. No. Okay. Well, how many of you would have to admit to maybe at least one of those categories occasionally? See, okay, don't vote. Don't, we don't want to see. <laughs> Can you see that this tendency to live for someday, to put off doing what needs to be done, gets wired real deep in us? So you're going to have to get real intentional to cultivate a new attitude on that one. You'll have to do it. You can learn to receive moments as gifts from God and live in them, but the motivational fairy is not going to come and sprinkle motivation dust on you at all. You'll have to become serious about change if you want to live in the now. And you say, well, motivation doesn't last, Rick. Well, neither does a bath. That's why you take one every day. <laughs> and you got to motivate yourself. Okay. So how do I learn to live in the now, in this moment? Here's the second one. Number one, stop excusing procrastination in your life. Stop. Chronic procrastinators rationalize their behavior on the grounds, there's just nothing I can do about it. Ever heard this? Well, that's just the way I am. Like it's, it came in your DNA? No, it's not a genetic intruder, it's a choice. Chronic procrastination, not once in a while chronic, will look for any pretext to excuse putting off something they don't want to do. Here's a good lesson I learned many years ago. The most difficult, obnoxious thing I have to do on Monday or any day, I do first. Do the nastiest, ugliest, I don't want to do it so bad, do that one first. The rest of the day is a breeze. You just took that 600-pound gorilla off your back. You did. You rolled it away. Don't keep it to the end. You'll be dreading it all the way. Get rid of it early. Have the conversation. Make the call. Deal with it. Here's what Proverbs 26, 13 says. The lazy man is full of excuses. Now, if I'd have been writing that, I would have put another word for excuses. <laughs> Here's what he says. I can't go to work. There might be a lion in the street. Try that on your boss. See, even back in the Bible, they knew people like this. We latch on to any excuse not to do what needs to be done. So the first step is stop it. 
determined, you're going to take responsibility for your time, your actions, and your one and only life. It's not up to somebody else to do it. It's between God and you to do it. Number two, commit to action. Commit to action. Start today. Where you've been procrastinating, commit yourself to taking action today. James 4, verse 14. Don't boast about tomorrow because you don't know what today's going to bring forth. You might not have tomorrow. You've only got this moment, so seize the day. Some people have made procrastination a way of life. They live in their own personal culture of delay. I've traveled to Southern California and lived there many, many years and then visit and speak many times. But this appeared, there's an article that appeared in the LA Times. A guy returned to a house where he grew up. He had been away for 20 years. He goes into the attic and finds his jacket. He had forgotten to take it 20 years ago. He put his hand in the pocket and he pulls out a receipt for a pair of shoes he's taken in for repair 20 years ago. But he had forgotten to pick them up. So he goes where the shoe repair shop used to be and finds it's still there. In fact, the same guy is still working behind the counter that was there 20 years ago. So he hands the man the receipt for his shoes. The guy goes back into the workplace, stays a few minutes, comes back out and says they'll be ready Friday. That's California, a culture of delay. And you know, I was talking to, to Tony Warren last night, and I said, Tony, there are churches and cultures that have a culture of delay. I don't care what time they say they're going to start, they're an hour late all the time. And pretty soon, everybody thinks that's normal. It's not normal. You start when you say you're going to start. You stop when you say you're going to stop. I was listening to a message I preached 25 years ago. That sucker was an hour and 10 minutes. And the service, the whole service including that, was three hours. That was a culture then, but baby, that's not the culture now. Well, most places. There are still play people that are frozen in time warp and think that's okay, but you're not going to reach the next generation with three-hour services unless you're giving money away. It ain't going to happen. It's different. It's different. Time is money. Time is valuable, and I respect your time. A culture of delay. So you, you get so used to it, you think it's normal, but it's abnormal. You get desensitized to it, and you fail to notice you're not living right now. So commit to action. Start today. And here's what you'll discover. Motivation will follow an action. Don't wait for motivation. Take the action. Motivation will come. If I wait till I feel like it, I'll wait my entire life. Third, I've got to ruthlessly prioritize my life. I've got to decide what matters and what doesn't. You've got to make a heart decision to, you know, to live so that your life reflects your values. So when people watch you or me, they can discern what matters to me or not. We get invitations to stuff in the mail all the time. And I've been around the block and been to these rodeos enough time to know that that's nice, that's sweet, but that's a waste of time. I get no benefit from it. Doesn't help our vision or mission here. Just something else to do. No. Well, you should be involved in everything. Oh, really? Who told you that? Listen, everybody wants to talk to me. Personally, everybody, I would have no life if I could do that. No, I want to speak to Rick. I need to speak. I, I've, I've got some questions about something in the Bible, and I got to talk to him. Or I don't, I just, I just need to talk to him. 
Now you try that with a few thousand people and see how is that possible to read, to study, to, to, to run the organization, to make decisions and, and meet with the key people that make everything happen and meet with everybody. You, you'll be, I'll be on drugs. I said, Rick's run off to Las Vegas. And people do. You remember Moses was doing that and he got rebuked for it. And he said, you're going to die if you keep living this way. Delegate. And if you get a large church, you've got to delegate responsibility. Our campus pastors, our, our different leaders in here can answer 90% of the questions you have. They know exactly what I will say, and they know Scripture well enough to handle almost every problem. Then Moses said, if it's a really big choice and you're not sure, bring that one to me. Now that's effective. That's dictating and governing your own life. You can't do everything. So stop being mad because you can't get instant relief with somebody you want to, or you'll get nothing. You'll still stay at a church of 80 people. You delegate. You de we got people a lot smarter than me in many areas, and I'm really not a counselor because I want to size you up in about three minutes and end this thing. And if you want somebody to let you just go on and on and cry and cry and go on and on and on, there are people that have that gift. They're called counselors. <laughs> and it's not me. I can't do that. But I've learned. I can't solve every problem. Be with everybody. You've got to delegate it. A coach, uh, even a head coach has offensive coordinators, defensive coordinators. They've got assistants, correct? If you run a, a government, a city, a state, you've got to delegate to different people. So I, I, I'm amazed that Christians come in like they're brain dead. Like you think you can just walk in, no appointment, and you can have this? Where, you know, you're one French fry short of a Happy Meal. I don't know what's wrong. What happened? Somebody needs to, to, to get back engaged in life. If somebody has been looking at your life this last month, what would they discern about your values? What matters to you and what doesn't? You know, we can become so rushed, we don't have time for life, being kind or serving, because we're just rushing through the days, and we violate our own basic values. And that's the culture we all live in here in America. We're so rushed, we violate the values we claim to hold. A woman's in a car at a stoplight, her engine stalls. She's trying to start it. It won't. She's tying up the traffic. She gets out to look at the engine like she'd know what to do. The light turns green. The guy behind her is real impatient, and he's just laying down on his horn. And she doesn't know what to do. So she walks back to his car and says, Sir, my car is stalled. I don't know what to do, but I'll make you a deal. If you'll come up and look at my engine, I'll stay here and honk your horn. <laughs> See, we violate our own values. And if you're serious about living life now, you're going to have to ruthlessly prioritize your life, not being available for every invitation, and you're going to have to say no to a lot of things and learn to live with laser focus. USA Today surveyed experts in different fields of life and said, how much time does the average person need to spend sleeping? Then they asked an expert about fitness, and then they asked experts about reading to your little children. What's the average time needed for a person who only wants to do the minimum requirement? So they looked at all that information on how much time you need to spend in key areas of your life, and it came to 32 hours a day. I don't know if you are aware, you don't have 32 hours 
in a day. So you got to see, you got to get ruthless in saying no to a whole lot of stuff that might be good, but not possible. And find out what's really important. Look, sit down, look at your activities you're engaged in and say, hey, out of this list, what really matters? Because nobody else is going to do it for you. Nobody. Number four, the next step is understanding. Understand your life is short on this earth. Psalms 90, 1 through 6, the New International Version says, Lord, you've been our dwelling place throughout all generations. Before the mountains were born, or you brought forth the whole world from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. You turn people back to dust, saying, return to dust, you mortals. A thousand years in your sight is like a day that's just gone by, or like someone keeping watch at night. Yet you sweep people away in the sleep of death, and they're like the new grass. In the morning it springs up, new But by evening in San Antonio, it's dry and withered. See, our life is like that. It's so short. I used to think people my age were dead. I remember. My dad was 58. My grandfather had died, and I went to see him, and I was in my 30s, and I thought, dang, my dad's old, 58. I'd give anything to be 58. (laughs) But I'm aware how quick time gets away. I don't mean that in any morbid sense. It's just really kind of scary that you keep... I've lost so many friends who were in their 60s. One guy, 48, got off the airplane, took 10 steps. Uh, Bishop Jack Wallace, who had preached in this church a long, long time ago, and in Detroit, I'd preached there as well. Got off, took 10 steps, fell dead. Boom. I still had his voicemail. I kept it for a year on there with Jack. Ricky boy. He just, we, I kept it just to remember him for a while because who would have thought? Oh, he's a big fitness buff too. So even you people eat grass and chew barley and take all the supplements, you, you can die too. Boom. Just like that. So life is so short. And it, you know what's weird? It comes as a surprise to every generation. We're born, we grow up, we grow old, and we all ask the same question. Where did all the time go? That's the issue. How many of you ever saw the movie City Slickers with Billy Crystal? He's standing in front of a bunch of kids in an elementary class, and he talks to them about what he's learned about the swift passage of time. Watch the video, and I'll close. (laughs) See, you can't save the moment against time. Because all of us are like grass. So, wise people of all ages come humbly before God, the God who is from everlasting to everlasting, and they say, God, teach me to number my days, because they are valuable and precious. For more information on Summit Christian Center, visit summitsa.com.